Hi, I'm a helpful Southern California Honda person. And recently, we've been doing random acts of helpfulness, like getting a service dog for a child in need and buying science materials for a third grade class. And we can help you too with a great deal on an award-winning Honda, like the reliable and completely redesigned Accord, the 2018 North American Car of the Year. Click the dealer locator link to find a dealer near you and go to SoCalHondaDealers.com to suggest a random act of helpfulness for someone you know. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the Born to Talk Radio show with my, I am Marsha Witeka, and I am your host of Born to Talk. And I'm delighted to have you join me today. And in case you are wondering just a little bit about the foundation of my show, I call it the three C's, conversation plus connections equals community. What I want to know each week is, what's your story? And everyone has one, and it's my pleasure to share the stories and passions of my guests with you each week. Today, my guests are from the South Bay Children's Health Center and includes Lisa Daggett Cummings, who's the Director of Development, and Angela Wilson, who's the Director of Mental Health Programs. Welcome to the show, ladies. Hi, Marsha. Thank you so much for inviting us. Hi, Marsha. You're welcome. And and that was the second person was Angela, am I correct? Yes, yes. Perfect. Well, <laughs> I wanted to just let the people, I know, two ladies, I wanted to just let the, our audience know that the South Bay Children's Health Center exists to provide high-quality dental and mental health services to low-income children and their families in the South Bay cities in California near Los Angeles. For those of you that live sort of in this area, these cities include El Segundo, Westchester, which is where I live, Inglewood, Hawthorne, Lawndale, San Pedro, Wilmington, Torrance, and the beach cities of Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach, Dominguez Hills, and Carson. It's a huge, huge area that that you support with these services. But before we talk about these wonderful services, because that is what this show will be about today, I thought we'd have a chance just to get to know you a little bit better. I'd like to start with you, Lisa, and welcome back. This is Lisa's second time with my show. It was almost one year ago exactly, Lisa, that you were on my show. I know. It was May of last year. And I'd like um, you to just tell the listeners that may not have listened to that first show a little bit about yourself and how you became associated with the Health Center. Okay, awesome. Well, um, like Marsha, I grew up in Westchester. I am a native Californian. I went to all of the Westchester schools and then went to Cal State Long Beach and ended up earning a master's degree in business at Loyola Marymount, where I actually teach as an adjunct today. Um, I really, really wanted to make a difference when I got out of um, when I went out got out of college. And it was in grad school that I started thinking more about how I could make a difference. I worked at the time for an organization called Junior Achievement that taught kids about business, and I loved the nonprofit sector. Um, So I've stayed in the sector. I am, believe it or not, going on, I think, my 30th year, all in fundraising, Mm. um, focusing on children's charities. Um, I just love making a difference. I love 
helping kids and being able to offer and provide empowering services for children and families so that we're not giving them a handout but really a step up. To me, it's always felt like a collaboration between the families that we serve and um, and the work that the agency that I've worked for does. And I love South Bay Children's Health Center. I've been here going on my fourth year now, and I started out as a volunteer um, working with one of the with Tina Harris, who used to be an executive director. I was coaching one of her grant writers or uh, d- development directors, and learned about the agency and. They didn't have a full-time development director, so kind of tongue-in-cheek, I used to say, if you ever get a full-time development director, please let me know, and they did. They uh, Hmm. were looking for somebody about four years ago, and I applied for the job, and here I am. (laughs) That's that's a great story, and I I just, I love love stories. I love the connections. It's, It's like I said at the top of the hour, it is the foundation, and you you work at LMU, I walk at LMU, I just live several blocks away. We met at um, an event at Covenant Presbyterian Church a few years ago, and that's how you and I met. And I just love our Mayberry City that we live in, and I, I think it's tremendous what you um, bring to your organization. Now, Angela, it's a little different for you and I. We have not <laughs> met and so no. this will give me my opportunity to hear about you and your background. I'd love to know about you. Sure. So I am not a California native. I grew up in the Midwest, uh, grew up in Illinois and Wisconsin, moved to California in what, 2001. Um, but I started down the path in education. Uh, my parents, both my parents were teachers, grandparents were teachers, aunts were teachers, so I kind of started down that path of wanting to be a teacher, um, pursued that and my undergrad. And when it came time to do my student teaching, I realized I don't want to work with an entire classroom full of kids. I want to work one-on-one and find out why the kids can't sit still in the classroom or what's going on at home that may, maybe the kid isn't able to do their homework. Uh, just always interested in psychology. So I really pursued that aspect. Uh, I ended up getting my master's degree in psychology. And by that time, I'd gone to grad school out here in California. I got a great job at an agency called The Help Group, uh, which was out in Van Nuys. They're based in Sherman Oaks. They're all over Los Angeles. Very big agency. I think they have about 1,000 employees. Um, but really started getting my feet wet working with children and families and just really found that that is my passion. I think I I thought maybe I was more on the adult path at that point, but I love working with kids and families. And since that time, went from the help group to another agency here in L.A., Counseling for Kids, which then led me into South Bay Children's Health Center. Uh, the reason I came to find out about South Bay Children's Health Centers, I live in the same neighborhood that one of the offices is in, and I walk by it all the time and didn't even realize it existed. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that kind of drew me here is I wanted to get the word out. I wanted people to find out all the awesome things that South Bay Children's Health Center is doing. So I've been managing, developing programs in the mental health field for about 12 years in Los Angeles County. And when the opportunity came about to become mental health director at this awesome agency in my neighborhood, I jumped at the chance, and I have been nothing but absolutely excited to be here. I'm fast approaching my one-year anniversary, and it's just been 
such an amazing move for me. I love it. And you'll hear more about all the wonderful things that we're doing. Um, but that's kind of just a basic summary of me. Well, terrific. And, and so let's just jump right in because there is a rich history about the South Bay Children's Health Center. And, Lisa, I thought maybe you could just sort of draw that story from us for us when it started and what was, what was the focus when it did begin. Absolutely. Thank you, Marsha. Um, the organization was founded in 1947, so it's been around longer than a lot of us. Um, it was founded in response to public outcry from basically PTA moms and a couple of PTA dads that they were looking for health services for their kids. Um, most of these families were low income at the time, but they uh, they really were in search of health services that were affordable. So the organization was founded in 47, and it was done under the auspices of the Community Chest, which is now the United Way. And um, the everything worked so well that we incorporated as our own 501c3 in 1951. Uh, we began with dental services at what is now Redondo Union High School. So we had mm. a, a dental clinic right at the high school and provided dental services. And then along the way, we added other services that um, that families needed at that time. So at one point, we had a... Um, we had a day school, we had uh, vision services, we had hearing services, we had well baby care, and those services kind of came and went. In 1967, also in, in response to public demand, we added mental health services. And today we offer um, dental and mental health services for over 25,000 children, teens, and young adults. So we reach a large number of kids in a, in a small amount of South Bay space. That's really that's really that's the history. Wonderful. That's that's a, that's a that's a terrific history, and I bet you there are a lot of people in in our cities that may may not be aware of that rich history and how it began. Um, you mentioned that um, that that you have to. I believe you have to qualify. How does a family qualify for the services? Um, for the South Bay Children's Health Center? Well, the dental and the mental health services are, are slightly different. So I'll take the, the dental side, and Angela, maybe you can take the mental health sure. side. Yes. Uh, because there's two programs that really yes. reach a, a different, slightly different audience. Um, in order to qual- be qualified for dental services, you need to be a family living at about 266% of the federal poverty threshold or below. Um, those families typically will qualify for Dentical, and um, there is no geographic restriction. So the majority of families that come to us for dental care do um, do kind of gravitate around our clinic, which is in Lawndale, in kind of concentric circles. But there is no for the dental program. There really is no geographic. Um, we're not. We don't have to have them not from any certain that. geography. We're not bound, right. So mm-hmm. um, so they come from all over the place. Um, they come in and talk to one of our uh, dental administrators in the office, and um, we find out if they're on Denical or if they're on um, the 
type of Denical we take is um, fee-for-service Denical, and there's many different types. So if they're on fee-for-service Denical or Liberty Dental, which is a dental HMO, um, we can take them based on their insurance. If they are qualified low income and don't have insurance, we have a sliding scale that we will work with them on. Um, and we pride ourselves never to turn families away um, in need of care. And if we absolutely can't care for them, we will refer them to a place where they can get quality care. So that's the dental side. Angela, you want to Take sure. the other half of the question. So, so the mental health program, we actually have two different programs, kind of like Lisa mentioned. Um, one that we have here that's based in the Torrance office where I'm calling from is our Child and Family Guidance Clinic. And this is the one that has been here for a long time, um, cute little building in Torrance right across the street from Foster's Freeze. Um, mm -hmm. But we serve primarily, we serve Medi-Cal clients here. So just like the dental office works with Dentical, our Child and Family Guidance Center, um, we work with the Department of Mental Health in Los Angeles County, and we serve clients who have Medi-Cal. Um, so that is how you qualify for our Child and Family Guidance Clinic. Uh, we'll go a little bit more maybe into the types of services that are offered here because it is a very um, big array of services. Uh, but that's the qualifications for child and family guidance. And then we also offer what's called our South Bay Youth Project, um, which we'll definitely go into more as well. But the exciting thing about that is it allows us to provide services. Um, we use many different funding um, uh, partnerships for the South Bay Youth Project, and we can provide services uh, to families that are located in the South Bay as long as they're tied to some of the schools that we work with. So the great thing about South Bay Youth Project is as long as you're in one of the school districts that we partner with, there is no cost, there is no question about insurance, there is no question about your in income. We're just allowed to work with you because of the partnerships that we have established. So there are yes. two different factors. Sure. You know what, what you led me to what was an obvious question uh, for me. I happen to know people that work and also attend schools in the district that you've just talked about. Mm -hmm. Do all of the, do all the principals, do all the schools, are they aware as even as teachers, if they are observing a child that has any of those issues that you, we just talked about, whether it's, you know, they keep complaining that their mouth hurts because something's wrong with a tooth or a gum or you're seeing you know services that maybe a child is is really struggling maybe they have some you know on the spectrum needs or things like that do all the teachers know that you are available to support them we are trying to get the word out i will definitely well, say that good. is something since i've come on board i mean and and we're really seeing some major growth, I think, going on at South Bay Children's Health Center. And I, that's why I'm excited to talk about it. And we've got a lot of good outreach going on. But I do want that word out. I want people to know that we are here to work with, you know, children and many different factors, you know. And, and we're really big on establishing partnerships with other agencies. And, I mean, one of the things that I do as a mental health director is, Oftentimes, if a family calls in and maybe my intake coordinators have a question about, you know, is this a good fit for us, um, I will always take those phone calls myself and triage and assess and kind of determine because we're not always the great place for them to stay. Sometimes they need to be linked elsewhere. But that's part of our outreach also is just working with our other community partners to make sure that those kids and families are connected where they need to be. 
the great thing about dental and mental health is a lot of times we find some of those families have both of those needs that exist. And it might be, you know, someone comes into our mental health clinic and we identify that they don't have a dentist. So we're able to then link them to our dentist. Or sometimes some family may, you know, end up at our dental clinic and we find out there may be some grief and loss issues or different things going on with them. And therefore we're able to partner, which I think really speaks loudly to our agency that we are all a team working together to make sure that the wellness of the children and families that interact with us, that we're looking at all aspects. Oh, it's, and, just, and, it's just tremendous. Go ahead. Did you want to add something? Um, yeah, just, to, just to add that in the last um, couple of years, I've seen a big difference in the level of community awareness because while we've been around since 1947, I think Angela addressed this earlier, we were sort of a best-kept secret. (laughs) And we're not really sure why because we want everybody to know that we're in existence. So doing shows like this certainly allows us to get the word out. But we're doing a lot more community outreach, um, many more partnerships. I just think I've seen a, a big increase in awareness just over the last couple of years. And definitely well, that's, that's, has come on board. Well, it sounds like you're a great tag team. You know, this is this is really – and you can't be everything to every family exactly. and to every student. Yep. So when you're focusing – I mean, we're, we're going to talk about that. Maybe let's talk about that now. When you talk – we talk about the types of programs and services that you offer. Can um, Would you like to go into depth a little bit more about what, what that looks like? Sure. Sure. You want You want to start? Sure, I can go over our mental health. So out of our Child and Family Guidance Clinic, uh, where we serve families that have Medi-Cal, we're able to offer a lot of services. So, I mean, we we primarily do individual therapy with the child, um, but we can also add in family therapy. Um, We do, we offer different techniques. We have lots of what we call evidence-based practices that all of our therapists are trained in, and some of those evidence-based practices might focus in on parenting skills and techniques. Another one might focus in on trauma-focused therapy. So we're dealing with kids that might have a trauma history. You know, we get several referrals come in probably every week from the Department of Children and Family Services. So we may be working with kids who have been in the foster care system or maybe they're kids that have been adopted. And the nice thing about Child and Family Guidance is all of the therapists here are trained in different modalities, and so we really get to identify the specific needs of the children and families and make sure that we're giving them quality individualized treatment. Um, Not only can we do services here in our clinic, we also offer services in home if that is the preference of the family. Sometimes, especially when you have grandparents, raising several several grandchildren. We we have some of those. Taking the services to them breaks down those barriers of having the, you know, transportation issues, the work schedules that may lead to missed appointments. We're able to go right into their home, provide the same quality mental health services. The other thing that we're able to do through our Child and Family Guidance Center is we also have partnerships with several of the local school districts. So we're also able to provide those same level of mental health services, um, which can be a little bit more longer term and a little more intensive um, than perhaps our other program, but we can offer it right on site at the school because we have agreements with the school. So if we have a child who's specifically struggling in school, 
we can go right on site to school, work with the teachers, work with the school counselors, you know, help come up with some behavior plans, help, um, help that child just, you know, have better functioning overall, both at home and at school. So the nice thing about child family guidance is it's very, very diverse treatment, be it clinic-based, in-home, or in-school. Our South Bay Project. Oh, sorry. I'm, no, no, no. I, 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 I'm, I'm excited about what you're saying, and I, I'm, I apologize for interrupting. But just no, the go fact for it. that you that you mentioned that you could go into the homes. I yes. know people. Yes. I know grandparents that are yes. working with children, and perhaps one of the reasons that these grandparents are in these children's lives so directly is because there's been some dysfunction in the family, exactly. and the children are starting to suffer. The pa- the grandparent is perhaps mm-hmm. not totally prepared. Yes. And the fact that this can be recognized and you serve such a wide variety and and you make it affordable, I mean it gives me such hope for these for these families. It's 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 a family um um it's issue. a family model. And, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I just think it's just phenomenal. Truly just just great. So I I'm sorry, Lisa, you probably want to talk about how your programs um, work in the, on the dental side. Could you explain some of that? Well, they're not my programs. I will tell you that as the development okay. director, I'm responsible <laughs> for representing all of the programs of the agency. Okay. Um, and I think I've adopted all three of them as my own. So they're really, they're, they're really <laughs> not my programs. But, <laughs> okay. Um, and, and I know that we'll talk about fundraising and how we're funded in, in a little bit. But yes. um, fortunately, I have... Um, we raise money for some programs for our South Bay Youth Project and for our dental program. Our dental program is the one that has the need for the most private funding, however. So um, dental services kind of have three components to them. We have a dental clinic in the city of Lawndale that we have had. We've been there for since, I believe, 2008 or 2009. Uh, the dental clinic has four operatories, which basically means four rooms to uh, to provide dental care. And we provide most dental services to our uh, to our young patients. We offer emergency care, um, restorative care. We offer um, preventive dental care. So most mo- most of that care is is provided at the dental clinic. We have just started something called teledentistry, which is a best practice for families that have access to care issues. And with um, with teledentistry, we can actually take mobile equipment out with us. So we have a mobile x-ray machine. We have a mobile dental chair. And we go out into the community where the kids attend school and they play and where parents work. So the parents don't have to bring their kids in to our dental clinic, this is initial preventive care, and if um, if it's found that everything's fine, then we can repeat the care in another six months, and the family does not need to go into our clinic. Uh, x-rays and information on the visit is provided directly to a dentist, and the dentist is at the clinic. The, um, the visit is conducted by a uh, typically by a dental hygienist. So the information goes back to the dentist, and the dentist decides if there's any additional treatment needed. And if not, the child just needs to come back within six months, which is very, very cool. So that's and the, this is not just – I'm so sorry. Go ahead, Angela. 
Oh, I, was just gonna, I think the really amazing thing about teledentistry is they're really starting those dental services as an, at an earlier age. Um, so it's really about prevention, early intervention, because right. I mean, they're reaching out to kids that are, you know, a year old, whereas I think, you know, most times kids don't get brought into the dental office for their first visit until they're three, four years old, and by that time, unfortunately, there can already be some decay and problems. So taking this approach into the Head Start, early Head Start preschools really starts that positive relationship with a dentist right from the start. And the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry recommends that parents take their children for their first dental visit um, no later than one year old or right. at the eruption of the first tooth. Yes. The challenge is mm-hmm. that many of the families we see are on Denical, mm-hmm. and there are not a lot of private practice dentists that will take Denical for children, that um, that are comfortable uh, seeing children and that take Denical for children on a regular basis. So often the parents will call the private practice dentist, often it's their dentist, and they'll be told, oh, no, no, they don't need to come in until three years old, when in fact dental decay is almost 100% preventable, but early yeah. intervention, like Angela said, is really critical. That's, and you don't just provide these services, both the mental and the dental, for elementary school children. I'm assuming that this goes straight through high school. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, okay, and, and so, even dental can go, we can go beyond high school as well for a short time. So we so can see kids here in our clinic. Football, yeah, well, I was thinking like that that boy or girl that's playing in sports and a, and a ball hits them in the mouth and the tooth gets right. knocked out. Right. You would be able, perhaps, to help that that person as well. Absolutely, and we oh, in gosh, um, right. on the dental side, we go up to age 24. We're also doing more on the dental side with kids living with special health care needs, mm-hmm. and that covers a really wide range of issues. But uh, oftentimes, um, families that have a child living with special needs are told to take that child to the hospital for dental care under anesthesia. And there are many mm-hmm. cases where they really don't need anesthesia. They can receive, um, they can be quote unquote desensitized by a mm-hmm. number of dental visits where they just get used to sitting in the dental chair, they get used to the staff, and unfortunately Denical doesn't cover that. So um, our staff is doing more and more work with kids living with special needs that uh, some of the parents thought that their child could never be seen without anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And they come in, and with our staff, they can be seen in the dental chair and go home. They don't have to be hospitalized or go under any kind of general anesthesia. Wow. I'm thinking that you um, while you focus on dental and mental health services when there are so many other types of health services needed, why why did your organization decide to just focus specifically on dental and mental health? Angela, you want me to take that one? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> okay, we do make a good tag team, don't we? We do, yeah. Yes, I know. And then I'll talk a little bit more about South Bay Youth Project after you talk about that one. Okay. So I think um, going back to the agency's rich history, they really did follow the most pressing needs of children. And... Um, in Los Angeles and definitely in the state of California, dental and mental health are two of the top unmet health care needs, particularly for low-income families and, um, 
and families with children at risk, but very definitely for low-income families that uh, dental and mental health just happen to be the two places that is harder to get quality care. So today we're doing dental and mental health. That's what we've been doing for a long time. I would like to say that our agency is open to other services, but there's also some fine nonprofits out there that are addressing the healthcare needs, that are addressing vision, addressing hearing. And these are in this area, these are really the the two of the top unmet healthcare needs. So that's the right. reason. I was thinking about vision and, and hearing, so that that's good to know that there are other avenues. What did you want to add, uh, Angela? I was just going to touch a little bit about our South Bay Youth Project program because um, we talked a little bit about Child and Guidance Clinic, but we also offer a South Bay Youth Project program, and this, this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with, um, I think, what Lisa was talking about a little bit, about expanding our services. And the South Bay Youth Project is one that really allows us to do that. Uh, that's the project where we partner with all the local school districts in the area, and we're able to provide services on-site to kids at the schools. Uh, and it's right now we're providing over 200 hours of mental health services right on site at the schools to kids, regardless of income, regardless of insurance status. They're just identified as having a need. Uh, and I think that's what's so important is because I think there's also the need for people who might have insurance but can't necessarily afford their co-pays or people mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of kids, especially in the South Bay, they're so busy that even though they might really benefit from that hour of therapy once a week, they just can't do it because they're doing all these after-school activities. They're going to tutoring. They're in all these other things. So by taking stuff into the schools, we're able to really meet those kids where they're at. Um, And South Bay Youth Project is one of those that we're really looking to just keep expanding um, because we're really seeing the benefit of reaching out to kids. I mean, and we're talking elementary all the way through high school and just being able to work with those kids and teach them basic skills and just kind of be that first front to identifying what's going on with the kid. Um, We also have some unique programs through South Bay Youth Project. We run what's called our Wilderness Program, which is something we've been doing for 20-some years, and that's where we partner with uh, Redondo Shores, which is a continuation high school, and we provide 10 weeks of group therapy for a group of 10 kids, and it also then culminates into a one-day ropes course and three days camping underneath the stars at Joshua Tree. So it's really a transformative opportunity for these kids to be a part of, and it's something I think all of us at um, South Bay Children's Health Center, I mean, we're just thrilled every year to watch the video and kind of hear how it went. So I think South Bay Youth Project, to me, is the area where we really get to be creative. And I think that's the really kind of exciting piece for us. And, you know, just just having that opportunity to really partner with the community has been really exciting. I'm excited just hearing about this. When I worked at the Y for 10 years, we did a lot of things that are similar to this wilderness project that you're talking Mm -hmm. about. I couldn't see where... You guys would be the great keynote speakers at a Rotary or Lions or some of these Kiwanis clubs, letting them know what you do because it's really, it's really cool. It, it uh, is. We it's know. Cool. Yeah. It, it is just so cool. But we all know that um, 
the healthcare system is much different today than it was 10 years ago. And how has that impacted the families that come to see you for services? I mean, I I start. Oh, go ahead, Angela. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think on the mental health field, it's kind of a mixed bag. I think in some ways we have people who, since there was a Medi-Cal expansion that happened in the last couple years, we're seeing more people who now have insurance that didn't have it before. Um, So some of the kids that may be here undocumented now have access to to Medi-Cal. We're able to provide services to them. Um, We're just seeing more families. the, the, the flip side is we're seeing so many families sometimes we're at capacity. Um, but I think there's a lot more people who have coverage. I think there's a lot more coverage that's covered. You know, it used to be that you were limited to a certain number of mental health sessions per year with all your insurance would pay for, and now there aren't necessarily those limitations. But I also think we're seeing some people who have insurance but may not have the level of insurance they used to have or that they think they have. And so there are added co-pays that come into the equation for mental health. And I think, at least from my standpoint, those are the conversations I absolutely hate to have. I hate to have to ask people what type of insurance you have, what does your coverage cover. You know, it would be amazing if we could get to that point where we don't necessarily have to ask those questions. We can just serve the clients as they come in. I'm sure. Did you want to add to that, Lisa? Yeah, just to add to that, I would say I completely agree with Angela that there are more, so many more kids in particular that now have access to insurance. Um, and But access to insurance and access to care are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And what I see is a lot of, still a lot of confusion. There are children that have been shifted now onto Medi-Cal and Dental. And on the dental side, there are so many families that don't know that they have Dental. They'll call our dental clinic and say, oh, we don't have insurance, but they know that they're on Medi-Cal. So we, we're the ones that tell them, oh, no, if you're on Medi-Cal, you have Dental for your child. So there's, um, I would say, a lot of confusion. And the other thing is that because of the expansion, and we're getting better, there's some shifts in the Medi-Cal and Dental system to ensure that, that the quality of services are getting better, but there's still so many more kids in need of service then there are service providers, especially the, that specialize in the needs of children. So those are really the big, the big differences is more, um, more insurance but not necessarily better access. Yes, I'm, 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 and I'm sure you can't serve every family, I, I'm assuming, that shows up. So how do you work with the families to ensure that they receive services regardless of their resources? Is there a way that you can funnel them into that system? I know we do it all the time on the mental health side. I mean, we we have a pretty thorough kind of phone intake that we do with any family that calls in. Um, Everybody's welcome to call in, and we will do a phone intake with them, and that's where we kind of gather information, what symptoms and behaviors are the children experiencing, have they ever had mental health history, and that's also where we kind of determine, you know, what type of insurance they have, if they have private insurance, are they looking for private pay, do they need a sliding scale fee, 
So that's always what we do for everyone that calls in here. We always kind of assess, we triage, you know, what's the immediacy of the needs because, you know, sometimes unfortunately people call in and we might need to help, you know, get them to an emergency room or help them Mm -hmm. get a psychiatric hospitalization that day when we're first interacting with them. Um, But a lot of it is just kind of, you know, triaging, assessing, and then linking and referring. If we're not the appropriate place or they need a different level of service than we can provide. And I think that's part of what, you know, I do a lot is I'm constantly doing outreach and trying to build partnerships with other people. I never want to give someone a referral that leads to a dead end. You know, so I always want to make sure if we are linking and referring that I know who I'm linking them to. And, you know, you see it a lot. We'll refer to somebody else in a certain situation, and a lot of other ones, they'll refer to us in certain situations. So I think that's one great thing about the South Bay and especially the mental health community is we are all here to make sure that the clients and the families get the best quality of care that they can, and therefore we're always linking and referring if needed. That's wonderful. We've had – I'm sorry. Oh, go go ahead. ahead. No, 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 Lisa, you go ahead. I was going to add just a couple of things. Um, On the dental side, the same thing. We are always out in the community doing research, and it's – I mean outreach. We – um, and we do it together. We often go out, mm-hmm. both the mental health team and the dental team, at the same events. Uh, recently, about two years ago, we received a grant through the California Community Foundation um, in partnership with Torrance Memorial Medical Center. And through that grant, we were able to focus on the um, low and moderate income areas of the Sentinella Valley, and that includes Westchester and El Segundo and Gardena and, um, and Lawndale and Hawthorne. And through all of that expanded outreach, we really have uh, been able to do a much better job of getting people into not just dental care and mental health services, but also other services that they need. On the dental side, we also do not, we try very hard not to turn anybody away, mm-hmm. but people call um, from with all kinds of insurance, all kinds of backgrounds, and we do the same thing that Angela is talking about. We really do try hard to, to triage them. Sometimes we get calls for adults. We don't do adult dental care over the age of 24. So we have several private practice dentists that we work with, uh, and we'll refer to to those offices. Um, mm-hmm. There's other clinics that we can refer to. We have a couple of um, pediatric specialists that work with special needs kids um, within a hospital system. Um, And then as far as funding goes, we work with each family based on the financial resources that they have. So with Denical, we are, um, as long as the services are covered, there's nothing else that the family has to pay. But if they want to have additional services that aren't covered under Denical, then we work with them on a sliding scale payment plan. And for uninsured families that don't have insurance at all, we do the same thing. Oh, that's wonderful. How how does um, – I don't know if you know the answer to this, but how how do you think the state and local services here in California and in Los Angeles, South Bay Area, how does how does that compare with other low-income families in other states? How How are we doing here? I think from the mental health side, I mean, I am very proud to say we're in Los Angeles County and in California because – 
I think we're doing a tremendous job. I really think the Department of Mental Health in Los Angeles County, I mean, we've still got a ways to go as far as, you know, bulking up our prevention and early intervention. But, you know, I'll go to conferences. I've been at many of them with people from all across the, the country, and I always leave super happy to come back to Los Angeles County because just I think uh, kind of how we had talked about it, like the Medi-Cal expansion that's allowed all these additional kids and families to qualify for services. I think the level of quality of mental health professionals in L.A. County, L.A. really puts a big emphasis on getting therapists training, you know, the big focus on evidence-based practices, but it also allows for creativity to use your clinical judgment to treat that client where they're at. You know, the fact that in home, in school, in the community, all these additional types of modalities for therapy are really embraced and encouraged. I think it's great. I think LA County is doing a tremendous job. Terrific. When we when we think about mental health, just the term Sometimes that term can bring a stigma with it. How do you work around that to best serve the kids while still accomplishing accomplishing your goals? I mean, I think the biggest is just, you know, getting out there and just kind of working on an overall wellness. I mean, I think we talk about how mental health is just one portion of overall wellness. You know, you go to the doctor for certain things, you go to the dentist for certain things. Mental health is part of your wellness. I think for us, really helping reduce those stigmas is partnering, getting in there from day one with kindergarten students, you know, from elementary on up. If talking about mental health and just some of those basics of, you know, identifying your emotions and learning different communication skills, the more we can get in there partner with the schools where, you know, a therapist or a counselor is just another person that's at the school, but it's someone who's there who can help you. Uh, The more we can focus on prevention, you know, sometimes we use the language maybe a little bit more of counseling. Uh, We might talk, you know, sometimes we use the best friend scenario of just talking about, you know, if you had a friend that was in this situation, how might you, you know, reach out for help. But I, I will say, I think for kids, The message is getting out there. I've seen a big shift just in kids, teenagers who are open to mental health. And I don't think the stigma exists quite as much from the kids and teenage perspective. I think sometimes what we have to work on is with the parents and the families because sometimes there's some stigma there about what does it mean if their child needs mental health therapy or what does it mean if you come in for therapy and we start working on parenting techniques. So I think Mm -hmm. that part is what really still has a ways to come. Well, it's interesting that we we are talking in May because May is National Mental Health Awareness Mm -hmm. Month, and that's very significant. It's great that it's brought to the forefront. What do you think is important for our listeners to understand about mental health and mental illness? Is there a difference? Between mental health and mental illness? I mean, I think mental health is something we all deal with. You know, we all have mental health. And uh, I think being on top of your mental health, you know, being in tune with yourself, that's sometimes things that we talk about is, you know, being in tune with your own mental health, recognizing 
sort of when your behaviors change or sometimes you might react, have a strange thought that pops in that kind of seems out of the ordinary and maybe being able to do some of that self-talk, you know, if, if you have good coping skills in place and you have a strong support network, you know, sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that's the only level that you need. But it's also very important that people recognize when there is a mental illness that you do need to seek some type of professional help, you know. And, and it can be in many different factors. It can be individual therapy. It could be a support group. You know, there's lots of even interesting, you know, online text-based therapy nowadays. I, there's so many options. I think what I want people to just know is that mental illness and mental health, it impacts everyone. You know, at some point in your life, you're going to know someone who is impacted by mental illness. And I think being aware of some of the signs to look for, you know, changes in behavior. I, I work a lot with teachers and counselors, and sometimes I stress that, you know, the signs to look for aren't ne necessarily the kids that are always getting your attention. You know, it's not always the kids that, you know, are, are bouncing off the walls, not able to sit still. Sometimes the kids we need to be most concerned about are the quiet ones, you know, that are mm -hmm. sitting in the corner that aren't drawing our attention. So I think just that, being aware of signs, not being afraid to ask somebody, are you okay? You know, I do a lot of suicide prevention trainings, and that's one of the things that we say is ask. Don't be afraid to ask. You know, always ask somebody. Uh, some people say it's like embracing the awkward. Like if there's that awkward silence, you don't know what to say, just ask somebody, are you okay? You know, just ask that question. We've, we've seen such an increase. Um, on bullying, and and that was not anything that we would have seen in the same degree when I was raising my children. There certainly wasn't the social media aspect of life yes. when my kids were children. And um, some, I, I had a show about bullies and friends, a documentary about that, and, and coming from the position of the the victim and also the bullies. Mm -hmm. And as parents, you know, we have a responsibility to be mindful that we may have a child that is being bullied and we may have a child that is a bully. Yes. And and that is certainly um, something that I'm sure that you witness um, in, in schools today, regardless of the grade level. It, it is definitely a topic that, that parents are concerned about. I, I It's obvious to me that you're both really passionate about what you do for the South Base um, Children's Health Center. So what I'm curious to know from both of you is what motivates you about this work and this organization? What just like, oh, man, I just can I can hardly stand it. I'm so excited. What motivates you to do your job every day? I mean, I'm going to let Angela start. Okay. Because I'm, okay. uh, yeah, I'm super motivated. I don't know. But, yes, I think <laughs> I absolutely love South Bay Children's Health Center. I think what we're doing is just fascinating and amazing work. You know, I think I, every single day I'm here in, the, in our clinic and we see families come in and just to see them leave with a smile on their face when maybe they came in without a smile, you know, or you kind of, you see that change that happens. You see a kid come in and he's excited to see his therapist, you know, and to me, I'm a parent also, but as a mental health professional, you know, 
if you have people who are actually excited about mental health and want to be here and you can see the change that's happening, I see that every single day. I think that's what's so motivating to me. And I think to me, sometimes the cases that I think are going to be the most challenging end up being the most rewarding. And sometimes they're the kids and the families that just grasp onto it and make the biggest change. Um, I think the fact that we're working with schools, that we're partnering with our community is something that I love. You know, as a member of this community, I live in the South Bay, and so to be able, you know, to see the work that's happening across all the school districts, I have to give our community at large, you know, huge props because over the last couple years, I've seen that shift. Everybody's really, you know, on board with increasing mental health services, and I think that's what keeps me motivated and passionate I can, and I have an I amazing can hear it. <laughs> I, I can hear it what about you Lisa for, for me you know it goes way way back my mom I will not tell you my age but it's old and mm. um I'm in no just kidding I'm in my mid-50s and my mom um my mom was a single mom and she worked really hard to make ends meet and we used a lot of nonprofit services, particularly mental health services. And I remember, I think it was called family services that we used. And that inspired me. Um, when I ended up in nonprofit, I started out working with uh, underserved families, underserved kids, teaching them business. And at some point I got into healthcare and just that was really the niche for me is working with families in need of good health care support systems. Um, here, and I've been doing this work for close to 30 years, this organization gets, it, it, it grows on you. We, <laughs> to me, you need, um, the, the key in nonprofit in the sector is having a great team, a great board, and a great boss. And we've got all three of those. I agree. And wow. I'm, um, and that doesn't happen too often. I've, I've worked for many agencies, and I know Angela's worked for a few also, and it's that synergy. It's kind of like a three-legged stool, and we've got people that have been here um, for many years, and we've got people that that are brand new, but they understand the mission, and they jump in, and they're supportive, and that goes all the way across. Our, our corporate culture is strong, mm-hmm. and I think knowing that uh, that we've got a, a really great boss that supports us, and uh, we have a, a leadership team that consists of me, Angela, Dr. Sada, our dental director, and Mark Shinasi, our ED, and we do a lot of problem-solving and teamwork, and then um, the board. The board is, is great, and they've been around a, a while, so I think that is what makes me passionate, is knowing that no matter what challenges we have, somehow mm-hmm. we're going to figure them out together. That's fabulous. You you had mentioned a while back about funding, and I thought we could spend some time talking about the funding and the, some of the special events you've had, and you have a very special event coming up. So let's let's spend some time talking about that now. Oh, okay. So um, I'll have Angela. Maybe you can run uh, jump in when we get to the the sure. Department of Mental Health part. Yeah. But we're we are a small and mighty agency. We we run on about a 2 million dollar budget reaching a, around 25,000 kids a year. And so I would say kind of a lean and mean machine <laughs> um to reach that many kids. And 
We do it in combination. We have a diverse funding base. Ideally, it will become more diverse, um, but it's a combination of private and um, private funding, public funding, um, from a, a variety of different sources. So, we our child guidance program is funded entirely through the Department of Mental Health. And our South Bay Youth Project is kind of a combination of funding. Mm -hmm. And our dental program is um, private funds, mostly private funds, and some Denical and parent funding. So, again, it's it's kind of a balancing act. Ideally, at some point, we would like to have, at least on the dental side, more earned income sources, so a little bit more money coming from the um, the Denical and the parents and um, and that type of that type of funding versus the the private contributions. Um, I see. So you do have some special events that you use for fundraising, also that, we that do. Can bring some money. What, what's coming up for you guys? We we do. We have. We just finished an amazing wine tasting called Open Your Heart. And we're jumping right into our biggest fundraiser of the year, which is called Champions for Children. And Champions for Children is in its fifth year. It is a 5K. This year, uh, for the first time, we changed venues. It's up at Ernie Howlett Park in Rolling Hills Estates. And it's a trail Mm -hmm. run and a trail walk. So people will be on the equestrian trails, on the horse trails. The horses will not be there that day. Um, (laughs) And it's just a it's a great family friendly event. So we have the five K trail run that starts at eight, the walk that will start at nine fifteen, we have a kids fun run at ten forty five, we have goodie bags donated by the LA Dodgers and lots of local businesses. Uh, we've got yogurt land coming out with yogurt, we've got buy beverages. We have um, Kind Bars. So it's just a, a great day of family activities. And the goal is to raise about $90,000, which will go directly to support um, primarily our dental programs and the South Bay Youth Project. Terrific. How would somebody go about um, signing up and supporting this? What would be the best? Where would you like to direct them so that they, they can be part of this 5K trail run and walk? Great. The the best place to go is sbchc.com forward slash C, the number four, the letter C, lowercase, uh, C4C run, R-U-N. So www.sbchc.com forward slash C, number four, C run. And you'll see everything about the event. You'll be able to um, register and get more information. And I I believe the date is, is it June 23rd? June 23rd. Okay. Saturday, June 23rd. That's exciting. I mean, that's really exciting. Do you find that um, a lot of the students in your schools um, are participants? We have some. We would love to have more. We're expecting about 500 people this year. And Wonderful. Um, anybody can participate. <laughs> oh, that's just great. I mean, that's really great. Uh, I know that we still have just a couple more minutes, and I would just like to, there's a couple more questions I'd like to ask. Perhaps 
both of you might have just one story that you could share about your experience that might be inspiring to the, our listeners. Is there, do you each have maybe one success story that you'd like to share? I've got sure. one. Go for it. You go for it. <laughs> We're tag teaming it to see who's going to go first. Um, yes, there's, you go there's first. There's so. Oh, go ahead, Marsha. No, no, no. I'm saying you go first. No, you jump in, Lisa. Go right ahead. There are so many great success stories, but one of my favorites is um, a young woman, high school woman, by the age, by the name of Sarah. And I actually met Sarah uh, through my church. And she has Down syndrome, and her mom and I got to talking about dental care. And Sarah was not fond of the dentist at all. And um, I told mom about us and our organization, and she started coming in. She made an appointment for Sarah and brought her into the dental clinic. And Dr. Sada started working with her using those desensitization techniques that I've spoken about earlier. And um, she would come in for five minutes at a time, and they would have Sarah in the chair and just talk to her and, and show her what would happen. And after a few visits, um, Sarah was able to come in and have her dental work done without any kind of anesthetic. Now the dentist is the, her favorite place to come. Oh, that's <laughs> So great. that's my, one of my favorite stories. Oh, no kidding. That's, that's fabulous. Angela, do you have one that you'd like to share as well? I mean, I have so many as well. It's hard to kind of come up with some of them. But I, I would say probably one that's resonated with me is we had a grandparent who was raising, I believe, four of her grandchildren. And they yeah. were coming into the clinic, but they were missing a lot of appointments. And so we were trying the best that we could. I mean, unfortunately, there was a pretty severe trauma history with the kids um, being, you know, in and out of foster care, ending up at grandma's. And I remember when we were able to offer in-home services, you know, it just made the light bulbs shift in grandma. You know, they were able to do what they needed to do. I don't even think she realized in-home services were an option. And instead of having to come here, she was coming multiple times a week to bring her grandchildren here. By being able to take it to them in the home, the work that our therapist was able to do with this grandmother, and a lot of it was just encouraging the grandma, you know, teaching her realistic expectations, kind of how to even deal with her own, you know, frustrations possibly with the situation that she was in. It just really helped that family learn how to communicate. And I remember the grandma telling the therapist, you know, I, I, full, I, I now understand where they're coming from. You know, and I think that's one of those things about mental health is you're not going to have a kid who never gets upset again, but you're going to know right. what to do. You're going to know how to oh, intervene. Yeah. You're going to know how to de-escalate a situation. And you have those tools, mm -hmm. and those are lifelong tools. And I think once you can teach somebody those tools, you know, in the moment it might not seem like they picked up on it, but maybe six months down the road they'll be in a situation and those, those things that that therapist helped them learn, they're going to pop back in there, you know. And we always just stress having a positive impact on kids for mental health because there may be factors in the future that bring them back, you know. But if they right. leave here on a good note and had a positive experience, they're going to reach out for help in the future if they need it. Yeah. You know what occurs to me as we're getting to the end of the hour? You never know by who you touch as children that end up going into this line of work mm -hmm. themselves. 
after mm-hmm. experiencing the help and the understanding and saying, I want to do what Miss So and So does or Mr. So and So does because they help me so much. You hear oftentimes people that are in the mental health field have had some issues themselves. And Absolutely. you're just setting um, a beautiful table, not only for today, but for right. something not, that, that might be in the future. And I just think mm-hmm. that that's just another avenue that's just incredible. And I'm, I'm so thrilled I've had this opportunity to share this hour with you. I know you're very busy and you've taken an hour out of your time today. But I just wanted to thank you so, so much for being my guest today. Thank you. Thank you, Marcia. This was fun. (laughs) It was really fun. And for those of you that are listening, let me just do a quick plug for me, which is my show is on every Monday. Um, It will always be on the www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash born to talk. I have a web page, which is um, uh, the born to talk radio show.com where you can find me and All of the shows are archived, and you can go back and listen to other shows as well. And I'm just delighted to have the opportunity to inspire others, to let people know that they can come out for this cool 5K trail run and walk in June. You get ready now because it's just a month away. Um, It happens to be a very special date for me. That was my husband's birthday, so I'm familiar with the date June 23rd very well in my life. And I just want to thank you once again for joining me. I'd love to have you come back maybe six, seven months from now, and let's see where you are now and hear about what your future plans. But for now, I just want to just thank you and thank my listeners for listening. And I hope if you found this interesting and inspiring, perhaps you'd like to be involved in a, in a similar situation where you live. Maybe you just don't live anywhere. You don't even live in California. But perhaps there's a place where you could get involved in your district with your schools and, and make a difference. So I just want to thank you once again both for, for joining me today. You are You're welcome. welcome. And, now, and now, if any luck, I'm going to play some outgoing music, which didn't happen going in. So I'm going to start this music. Let's hope we hear it. And thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Let's see if this works. Okay, let's see. Maybe I have to turn the volume up. There it is. Thank you so much for being part of the show today. Bye-bye now. A matchup. And what a team, Mike. Metro PCS and the iPhone SE for $0 on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive. Play with the best. Switch to Metro PCS and get a 32-gig iPhone SE for $0. Metro PCS. 
Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on a T-Mobile network or active on Metro PCS in the past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hi, I'm a helpful Southern California Honda person. And recently, we've been doing random acts of helpfulness, like getting a service dog for a child in need and buying science materials for a third grade class. And we can help you too with a great deal on an award-winning Honda, like the reliable and completely redesigned Accord the 2018 North American Car of the Year. Click the dealer locator link to find a dealer near you and go to SoCalHondaDealers.com to suggest a random act of helpfulness for someone you know.